Sick. All right. You're good. All right. Are we live? Welcome, Tarnish, to your penultimate place to get your video game news and reviews. This is episode 52 of the Penultimate Game Show, and today's topic is Elden Ring discussion and review. If you're listening on your favorite podcast service, feel free to give us a good rating on that platform. It helps with the algorithm and helps us grow our audience. If you're watching on YouTube, consider dropping a like and a sub, and don't forget to hit the bell to get notifications for all our shows like the Marvel Mondays Initiative, the Cross Media Show, and Anime Nation. And if you're watching this on Twitch and have Amazon Prime, you're Prime Gaming, which means you get one free sub to give out. We'd love if you gave it to us, but if not, that's quite alright. And for those of you who don't know me, my name is Ryan, one of the mini hosts over here at the Pen Game Show. And I am gathered with some lovely people today to talk Elden Ring. First off, you know him as Mr. Movie Reviewer, co-host of PNX, and the host of Large Popcorn, Christian. How's it going, Christian? I'm doing well. I tried really hard to come up with a funny like line to, to start. Oh, here we go. The loathsome dung eater. Just kidding, I'm, I'm doing well. Ready to talk <laughs> some Elden Ring today. Ready to talk some Elden Ring? And last, but certainly not least, the Soulsborn savant, one of the hosts of Remember the Film, Hugo Pina? Did I say that correctly? Pinai. Is Pina. Pina. I'm going to start calling you Pina. What do you mean in Spanish, Hugo? Uh, no. Pineapple. Does it have anything to... It means pineapple. Right. <laughs> I mean, you can call me that if you want. I'm not mad about it. It could be worse. I, I have a note here real quick before we start. It's about stream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hello, Hi, by uh... the way. This is me, Hugo. Oh, yeah. Hi, Hugo. <laughs> I, um... Hmm. My upstream has been really weird this week, and so it's it's been floating around. I see it on OBS. It's like orange and red. It's fluctuating. So it seems like it might be pretty bad for stream-wise. Luckily, I am recording this, so even if stream dies, we're still good because I'm recording it on my PC. Perfect. We'll have to upload it. That's fine. That's fine. All right, all right. And uh, first off, it's, it's common here on a game show that we ask, what have you guys been playing? Has it only been Elden Ring? Have you divin and done any other stuff? Hugo? Um, how recently? Because like, yeah, like this year I've played a couple other games. Uh, in the, uh, and since Elden Ring's launch, have you played anything other than Elden Ring? I mean, I played some Dark Souls. I, I did one that's stream the, That's Dark fair, Souls you one. did stream Dark Souls yesterday. <laughs> yesterday night. <laughs> that's fun. Because I, yeah. I, I, I'm basically I'm done for my personal runs with Elden Ring for now. Uh, I'm sure I'll play it more in the future because i always do with these games but uh, i got the platinum and you know sometimes i help out some friends with co-op but for now i'm i'm, I'm kind of done with the game <laughs> um so yeah and i got the itch of going back to play the first dark souls which is still my favorite souls games Spoiler. all Spoiler. right all right and uh yeah but other than that no not all right christian what about you have you given in anything since Elden ring I did. Uh, after I beat Elden Ring, and I'll tell you how many hours and deaths once we get to the topic of the show. Um, uh, I finally decided it. to yeah. I de finally decided to dive into Tunic uh, on Game Pass. How PC. is I heard good things. I think it's a great game. I love the art style. It's fantastic. I actually really. Oh, it's sirens. I actually really enjoy like how ambiguous the game is, and like the the whole gimmick is that you're finding these like sheets that are very meta, and it's like you're finding. Um, like you know, what, what, do, what do games usually come with 
those like pamphlets, you know what I mean? Like oh, instruction like a game pamphlets. guide. Yeah. Instruction you're, manuals. You're, fi you're finding instruction manuals around the world and you're piecing it together and it's, it's very out of order, which can be very cool. And you're also learning stuff to like translate the language. So it's, you know, you're piecemealing all this information together and it's, it, it leads to some very, very cool moments that like you had no idea this thing that you saw very early on does X, Y, or Z and it becomes like a lot bigger. That stuff is really cool. The souls influences are there, which I like. The bosses, the bonfire, the leveling up, that stuff is great. The combat itself, eh, it's it's fine. It's serviceable. That's the only is thing I don't just really like. Basic like Legend of Zelda combat that they have shown in like the trailers. Zelda's better. It, it's okay. That you you okay. have you have one kind of swing that you can combo up to like three swings, and that's okay. It. And you only get there's three a guard, right? You only get you only get, there's a guard, but you it takes a while to find the shield. So. Mm. The, the one right. thing I, I don't like. So um, what? So what? What do you? How do you get out of hits? Like, do you dodge you rolling? Dodge. You have to dodge. Okay. Yeah. And because two D Zelda, because two D Zelda doesn't have dodge rolling. It's more about shielding and. Yeah. Right? Exactly. The thing that kind of sucks though is that like, uh, compare it to the N sixty four games. N sixty four has six face buttons that you can use, which makes combat a lot more interesting. You can use your special items right up on the on the C stick, yeah. as they call it. On Xbox, right, on the tunic, you get three face buttons. One has to be your sword, uh, and then the other you get. So you get end up getting two, and because of the way combat works, I have to use like a magic thing and then stuff to refill mm -hmm. my magic. So I'm not really using most of my equipment, which is kind of a bummer. Leads to that like, is a little combat. odd. Okay, anyway. okay. Uh, I've been playing basically Elden Ring, beat it, and then um. Started up Tiny Tina's Wonderlands this morning with a friend of mine before the stream. And uh, having a pretty good time with it. It's just another Borderlands game. That's your cup of tea. You're going to find it fun. If it's not, this ain't going to be the one to change you. Yeah. That's pretty much where I am with that game. And uh, with that, let's get into the topic of the show because it's a big one. We're talking Elden Ring. And uh, before we talk Elden Ring, though, I just want a brief history with Souls games from both of you. So we know, like, where you're coming into this with, um, with that. Uh, I want to start with Christian. Okay, well, I'm glad you started with me because I am wearing the shirt that started it all for me, which is Bloodborne. Um, all right. Inshallah, Bloodborne 60 FPS soon this week, maybe? Who knows? Oh, we can pray. We can pray. I started with Bloodborne, <laughs> and it, like, that game hooked me. That game is, like, probably like, one of the most perfect. So, I mean, they're, they're all masterpieces, right? And yeah. something about this game was like addicting. It's all I thought about for like two or three months. And then I got to the final boss and I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it until actually until COVID hit. So four oh, years shit. later, yeah. yeah. I, had, I had three characters and I didn't beat it with any of them. And so I, I finally beat it in 2020. And I was like, God, this is amazing. And then of course, you then get Demon Souls remake. And I'm like, damn, this is really fun. I should get into more Dark Souls. And Hugo's like, this is what you do. You play Dark Souls 1, then you play Dark Souls 3. And so I did you that. You don't touch two. <laughs> but I want to touch two now after Elden Ring, from what I've heard. And then Sekiro, I fell in love. Like Sekiro might be my favorite. So yeah, interesting. All right. Love this. Nah, Sekiro is a Sekiro is a dope game. And uh, now Hugo, what about you? Um. Okay. So uh, basically, these these games are my favorite games. Like the 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 from software games starting from dark souls one and, and and i guess the metal gear series are the two series that i absolutely love in video games um so metal gear is dead so this is what i'm left with long um, long metal gear yeah mm. um because i'm like christian kind of makes fun of me sometimes because i only play like a limited 
kind of amount of games and type of game, but I'm just not like a huge uh, gamer, I guess. I don't I don't play everything. There's specific genres that for some reason really appeal to me. And the Souls games are that. Like I've, I've played all these games multiple times. Like even the ones that I like the least, like Demon Souls and Dark Souls 2, I've still beaten those twice, New Game and New Game Plus. Mm-hmm. Um, I have platinums in in all the other ones in, except Dark Souls One because the platinum for Dark Souls One is just not fun to do. But I have Dark Souls Three, Bloodborne, Sekiro, and Elden Ring. Um, I love these games. Like I've I've played hundreds of hours of each of them, uh, beaten them multiple times. Like and sometimes like if I have a free afternoon, I'll just make a new character in Dark Souls Three and like blast through the game in 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 a few days because i know exactly what i'm doing and where i'm going and and they're kind of therapeutic to me um i can't actually i'm not actually entirely sure whether the first one i've played it was bloodborne or dark souls one um but i definitely know that dark souls one is the first one i beat i think i might have started bloodborne before and then i was like oh you know what i like these games i'm gonna try going back and and dark souls one is the first one i beat and it, it it's still my favorite in many ways um but yeah i love all of these i think you know even the worst ones i think demon souls and dark souls 2 are kind of uh a little below the other four Mm -hmm. for me um but they're still like great games there's still so much to love about them there's still um there's just something about how they think of these worlds and design these worlds and just exploring and finding secrets and 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 like you know falling down somewhere and finding like an insane creature down there and an object that you yep. really needed. It's like, there's a sense of discovery to them, which is, mm. I think the reason why I really get into them. Um, you know, the difficulty is, is a big part of them, but it, it's like not the reason why they're so the draw of the uh, world building, amazing man. for me. Yeah. I think it's just, yeah, it's world building that I adore. Like I've, I have, hundreds of pages of notes on all these games just uh, while I'm playing it. Like, for Elden Ring, I wrote over 30 pages of notes just writing down what, what NPCs said and item descriptions and trying to piece together all the lore and stuff. And, yeah, I basically, I adore these, adore these games. Right. They're exactly what I want in video games. And, yeah, kind of, you know. So, I, for me, these games, I am right there with you, Hugo. These games are something very special to me. I've played for all of them multiple, multiple times. I think I've rebought Dark Souls 1 on Switch, PC, uh, PS3, PS4. God. Because yep. um, I'll just play that game. That's a game I can just, like you, I can play it in an afternoon. Um, and just have a great time with it. But I remember actually, I started playing these games with Dark Souls 1 when it got announced. Because I was watching random television, I think I was in high school, and a trailer for it played with the song about Follow You. And I'm like, this is a great fucking trailer. I am sold on this game. Then I went in, got my ass kicked by Asylum Demon for two hours, and I was like, alright, yeah, now I'm hooked. This is great. Incredible. And I've just been with him ever since. Um, I am a guy who, uh, before this, fought Dark Souls 3 is, the, uh, is probably the best game ever made. We'll see if I think that at the end of this episode still. But no, these are incredible games with incredible world building. Hell, um, the guy in the, uh, in the uh, comments right now in the Twitch chat, uh, Nelsonic Rage, me and him uh, 
He's a big, massive Bloodborne guy. One of the best Bloodborne uh, players I've ever seen. We'll just get drunk sometimes when we hang out and just try and beat Bloodborne when we're inebriated. Great times. So, no, these games are fantastic. I absolutely love them. And let's jump in now into our first impressions of Elden Ring. You've just created your mm. character. You go up the elevator and you see this massive open world. You skip the tutorial like me and you come back to it six <laughs> hours later, but I don't care because, you know, whatever. You get bodied by that flesh monster that you can barely do damage to, and I did not have a parry yeah, wow. shield. Are you kidding me? Who's trying Tree Sentinel? I see that thing and I'm like sneaking around it, you know? Who tried to kill yeah. it? Hugo probably tried. I did kill it. I didn't try. I was like, oh, doing this. I'm sorry. This is happening. I was like, I got to the. <laughs> You know, I was just, I, I was like, yeah, this, this guy needs to die. I need to learn the patterns. And, and, and then I later learned this is not what you're supposed to do in this game. But it, like my first instinct was like, yeah, I'll do this. It's fine. Um, so the thing with me is I don't play the, the first run that I do of these games. I, I play offline because I don't like to have the messages. Um, Interesting. Like, give me hints. And, and, and I don't really want to do co-op for my first run through at least. Um, no, I mean, I, if, I agree with that. If friends, you know, ask for help, I, I I enjoy doing that. But but in my game, I try to go through it without it, I guess. Right. Um, so I didn't miss the tutorial because, like, if you don't play online, there's a big bright message from the developer that says, "Oh, go down here for the tutorial." And of course, if you're playing online, you'll see dozens of those messages around, and so maybe you might not see it. Um, but yeah, getting out of that first door was was a, a strange feeling because it feels completely different from every other from from it does game. it doesn't feel like i am this just castorade monster left on a mm -hmm. beach now to walk just forward to what i can see i see so much in this open world to explore and go in and I didn't find the boss for where you learn how to do the shield thing the r2 attack after blocking mm. uh, oh the guard counter yeah, I never found the guard counter boss till I was cleaning up caves after beating the game. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I figured out the mechanic pretty early on, but because uh, yeah. I saw, all right, I'm guessing that's where I have to go after I went to the church, did all that kind of thing. And uh, then I just went the complete other way down to the other castle on the back end of that map and did down that. In the, down in the Weeping Peninsula. Yeah. yeah, down in the Weeping Peninsula. I went that way and then I went back up and did... um. Well, Margaret. I did Margaret and Godfrey. Mm -hmm. And that's... Does Souls work in an open world? That That's the question I'm getting to after, after the first impressions and all that of opening up. Uh, Hugo, do you think it works in an open world? I think it worked fantastically well. Um, mm -hmm. Because... Uh, because it basically channeled what is is my favorite thing about these games, which is sense of discovery and, and, and the kind of feeling like you're lost in a world and you have to kind of figure out what you need to do and where you need to go and mm -hmm. how best, best to do it is do this than an open world. Like my worry before the game was, well, the open world sometimes can be a bit checklisty or they can be just too dispersive. Like you, you're so lost that you don't even, you have no idea what to do or where to go. And I think yeah. because this, this open world is designed with the same attention to detail and the same 
um, sort of sense of direction. Like in all, in each small part of the world, there's you can tell that it's handcrafted and that they're thinking about the way you're going to interact with it. Yeah. Um, you never feel lost because it, it's always rewarding to explore. Like if you find a random cave, you know that there's a boss at the end of that. You know that you're going to find useful items that you'll need to upgrade your stuff. You know that, you know, beating the boss gives you souls. You can level up. Like it, there's a constant, constant sense of discovery and progression with everything you do. And, and so you, in a way that I feel sometimes with other open world games, I never felt like I, that the game was wasting my time. Because there was something new to see around every corner because so much attention went into designing a world where that was possible. And, and, you know, obviously the Breath of the Wild comparison is something that is brought up a lot, but it is very similar to that. That world, as much as, you know, there's big open spaces and it's one of the biggest games you've ever played, but it still feels like the developers have an idea of how you might interact with it. And Mm -hmm. in some ways it feels like a big level rather than a big open world sometimes open worlds feel like oh this is a big plane and then you go to the different levels within yeah, that open yeah. world but there's nothing interesting to see along the way you're just kind of looking at your even like even a game like the witcher 3 which is one um, of my favorite games that even though yeah, well. a, a masterclass but of open world a masterpiece absolutely but yeah. sometimes you're still going from a to b and just looking at your mini map and following with the yes. horse mm-hmm. and holding x and just going and in this game it's never like that. You're always thinking about, and you're always looking around and thinking about where you're going and why and, and, and what you might find. Yeah, even um, like Red Dead 2, same way. Like you can yeah. you can just hold X and it'll follow the path that you yes. assign it to on the minimap. So it's the same way. Let me jump mm-hmm. in on this, Hugo, because I think I'm 80%, to answer Ryan's question, 80% of it, does open world work in Dark Souls? 80%, yes. 20%, not as much. Let me start with my critiques first. Mm-hmm. I think for me, its success is also sometimes kind of its failure in that I think some of the early areas, if you do kind of over-explore, can lead to a little bit of over-leveling, in my opinion, that will lead to doing like the next kind of three major big areas. I'm Spoilers, I guess. I'm thinking of Liernia and even a little bit of maybe if you go Caleb. Oh, uh, or... just since we have a little break right here real quick, uh, this is full spoiler cast, everything on table. Everyone's beaten everything, right? All okay. major yeah. remembrance bosses. Mm-hmm. I've... Sweet. Yes. Awesome. Yep. All right, we're good. Keep going, Christian. I, I think mm-hmm. it can kind of lead to like some kind of miscalculations with um, not leveling. What am I thinking of? Um, balancing. Yeah, balancing. Where I find that like the earlier areas, because I explored so much, because I'm kind of incentivized to, to do so because the, it's so good, right? I find myself stomping through most of the areas that would later be like the more like linear kind of legacy dungeon kind mm-hmm. of areas, specifically specifically Lyurnia. Like I, I cruise through that um, Raya Lucaria like nothing. Same that that whole area was a wash. And then They're, I get to the yeah, and then I get to wash. the boss. I get to the boss. Even I'm even thinking Godric too. Like I just absolutely smash those two, and so like there was concerns there, and then the answer is that the the kind of end areas of the game ramp it up like to the other extreme where it's like it's almost annoyingly frustrating how difficult it is there because i I feel like there was some kind of imbalance and yet everywhere in between i'm falling in love with this game left and right hugo's absolutely right the sense of discovery there is is there it's it's exactly the breath of the wild thing where you're seeing something and like oh what's that over there and and you go to it and i'm having these oh my god what is this moment every i don't know 25 minutes the vibes in, in in um the opening area are probably the 
the best of the game. That and Leonardo, which is absolutely fantastic. But my favorite thing about also, this like, design, uh -huh. the music helps with yeah. that as well. Because there's oh something. Oh my god, the music! A lot of mm -hmm. a lot of the other Souls games are very quiet, and um, music will pop up when you're doing bosses. But this game, they decided to add this sort of background, like almost buzz that is always in your in in, in your ears, and it kind of adds to this sense of like it creates that vibe, but it also creates some tension in you, like you're still. You know, you know that there might be danger around every corner, yeah. and that that music helps out a lot with that. Because it's atmospheric, but it's still kind of broody and intense, which it I is. think really really yeah. works for open world souls. Yeah. Uh, but what what I was trying to get at is one of my favorite things is that the intent of the level design is probably the best I've seen in every Souls game because of what Nelsonic kind of says in this com in comment on Twitch saying, when everything is discoverable, then everything is missable. And I think that's kind of the point. There are so many moments that are so specifically hidden that when you find something, it feels like I'm the first person to ever see this thing. I'm finding this cave that's around uh, like the shore yeah. in this completely dark area that if I didn't like hold my lantern or or you know my, my torch up to it, like I wouldn't have seen like this small divot mm -hmm. and like, oh my God, I'm, this, I'm, I'm in this cave now. And that happens throughout all of the game, all 100 plus hours of me just exploring and it maintains that level of discovery and, and wonder. It's a masterpiece of a moment for me that really sticks out is i was exploring up by volcano manor because i didn't do the i did the assassination quest line area for them i didn't do the um dungeon right so i go do the assassination quest and it brings me all around that area up in there and then i end up in the beast city where like all the beast people live and there's a big beast at the end of the rock cliff and then a bonfire, so I'm like, I can run to that bonfire and it'll stop all this. I can figure out what to do with this thing attacking me, this boss. And then I look over from this bonfire right next to me. It's just a dude made out of crystal rock who I think is dead. And I'm like, what is he doing in the end of this random ass boss area? Just chilling on a bonfire. Those are the yeah. moments for this game. I'm like, this open world is really special. Because then 40 to 80 hours later, on a rebuilt now character respect. I'm like, I have to go back to him to get his armor. Yeah, and absolutely. Cosmic Azul. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, and when I found him, um, for me, because I've been, I, I had been writing down all, all like, mm -hmm. first like names that I didn't know who they were. And, and so I had been reading about this Azur character that I, you know, that what, that supposedly what had something to do with Raya Lucara, but had disappeared mm -hmm. or something. And then, I found this random ass guy with a with a crystal head and and he gives you his stuff and you're like oh my god it's that guy like there's moments like that constantly in this game because like yeah. I also think there's if you are somebody who because you can play these games and basically just enjoy the gameplay ignore basically all of the lore and the story which yeah is fine like you can just kind of blast through them and have a great time because the gameplay is fantastic but the lore. But, but, but the, if you ask somebody, we'll get there, Christian. We'll get there. If you ask somebody who like reads stuff and and tries to remember things, I, I think this game does, for the most part, not always. I, I have some criticism. My main criticism about this game, again, this this game is all in the end game. But before we get to mm. that, I think this game does a great job at like putting these names of characters and 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 potentially bosses in your mind and making you read about them and learn about them before mm. you meet them. So by the time that you encounter them, you have this feeling, oh my God, I know everything about this creature and, and, and I've read about them. And, and it's so like, 
just think about you, you were talking about volcano mara think yeah. about how much you hear about yeah um, you know yeah. Rikard and being eaten by this everlasting serpent and, and yeah, turning like, oh, into I a serpent like, there's so much and then and then you finally see him and he's this huge like snake monster thing and it's so impressive because you've you've been hearing about it and it's they they're able to build yourself up that basically they're able to build yeah. these characters up in your head before you get to actually encounter when them. all the demigods um the mm -hmm. demi humans right that's what they're called the the Demi ring yeah, yes. yeah the ring the uh, shard bearers the, the shard bearers that's it all the major shard bearers all their all of them you kept hearing about them throughout from different NPCs like if you went to Turtle Pope he'd tell you about one mm -hmm. all that kind of thing and I loved that because then when I got to a big one I knew all this like like Hugo's saying you go in with this knowledge about them and they are just ten times bigger than even you could imagine on mm -hmm. this massive scale and i think that's amazing because even hyped up through their lore they don't even compete with how insane they are mm -hmm. with the rest of them and i really like that but um well you bring up something very interesting here and uh, the 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 balancing you both have brought up balance mm. end game new game if you over level under level all that kind of thing um that brings me up to an interesting question here which is I'll be honest, people have said it's not a part, it's a part of these games. Difficulty. Difficulty is a factor in these games. It's one of the reasons I enjoy them. Yes. I like the rewarding, difficult combat. I think it, when you get it down and you kill a boss that has beaten the ever-living shit out of you for two hours, it feels amazing. I live for that rush these games give me. Is the difficulty still here when you can mo openly level through the game's pacing and everything, overlevel yourself, and then also, is the difficulty still here in this game? That's my question. Christian, I want to start off you for this one. Yeah, I've thought about this because there was a lot of discourse on Twitter whether or not this is the most approachable Souls game or not. And I think I'm leaning towards it is because the game really encourages you to utilize all the summons at your disposal even some of the main bosses early on will have like npc summons outside that you can mm -hmm. use if you want to and you're very encouraged to use your your spirit ashes as well and if you want to have like a you know a harder time a, a more kind of uh tried and true kind of souls experience where it's just you your melee combat or your or your magic against a boss you can do that if you want to um and so i think in terms of difficulty it, it's still there um granted because that kind of stuff was there, I was, and I would fall towards utilizing it more often than I than I probably shouldn't. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, and so I almost thought like some of the game was almost too easy. And then again, the late game, late game stuff that I'm sure we'll get to in a little bit ended up just completely kicking my teeth in, which was fun at first, and then almost turns into kind of annoying and frustrating. But I want to save those thoughts when we actually get there. All right, all right. Now Hugo, what about you? Is the difficulty still there? Um, I have a weird, I guess I kind of have a weird experience with this game in terms of the difficulty, because for me, it seemed completely in line with every other Souls game, but I didn't use any Spirit Ashes until like 80 hours into the game. Like I only, like I played pure melee, you know, I, I was using Ashes of War, of course, but I wasn't using like magic or ranged mm. attacks. I wasn't using Spirit Ashes at all. I wasn't summoning. So um 
up to and including basically the final boss in uh, Lanedale, uh, the capital, mm -hmm. and and through like most of the underground areas and 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 through the rest of the game, like Radan and 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 all the basically all the shard bearers that you can do before getting to mountaintops of the giants. Mm -hmm. I did everything before getting there without summoning or using spirit ashes, and it was pure melee. And for me, up until then, the, the balancing was fantastic. Like I mm. actually was really surprised that 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 the game was allowing me, first of all, to not use some of its mechanics and to choose to play um, a completely melee character, which which is how I enjoy playing these games. Like I know other people, which is not to say uh, you know it's not an elitist thing. Oh, I'm so good, I only play uh, melee. It's just like this You're is pierced. how I enjoy. Yeah, this is no. I'm this right is how there with I you. I did a guts build great sword sword and board has been the way i've always yeah. played these games exactly so, yeah. for me it's like it's either uh sort of a maybe not a great sword but a, a lighter great sword like uh for example the claymore is always one of my favorite weapons in all of these games um, fantastic it's always fun quality build uchi's great uh, yes. katana's are great but i also like just the regular straight swords i, mm -hmm. I have a good time with those as well um so I, I didn't I didn't feel a particular difference in in the difficulty. I thought the difficulty was pretty similar to the rest of the, the other Souls games. But then in the end game, it gets ramped up so much that it felt like my build wasn't viable anymore. Like going full yeah. melee through those final areas is you can do it, but those bosses will destroy you for. Dozens of hours. All, all like, your worth, pretty much. Like, yeah. the game is kind of at that point assuming that you're using all of its mechanics, which um, I guess it's, it's not necessarily even a criticism because they've created those mechanics, such as the spirit summons. They are very clearly telling you multiple times. You, you have a whole character that is only exists so you can upgrade your spirit summons. Um, so they're kind of very much incentivizing you to use them, but um, I wasn't listening. And I guess yeah. it, my personal preference would be to be able to finish the game for melee, uh, which I wasn't able to do because at some point it just becomes impossible. Um, for me, yeah, other I, than that, like you overall, I think the uh, difficulty kind of works. I, I think mm -hmm. the end game just becomes a bit unbalanced. You and uh, Nelson bring up two things, which is uh, he's talking about how your Christian brought Melania, and then uh, he said respect. Uh, at the end of this game, I had to completely respect into spell casting to be able to beat this game. I'll be honest with that. Mm. Um, I, I had to respect. I had well. a pure double stanced melee build, which worked until Horfrost Stomp got nerfed into the ground, and then that build became dead. That build died that day, and I'll miss it. It was a fun time. It got me for Godskin Duo, which also fuck Godskin Duo. They are the worst fight <laughs> of any Souls game ever. I didn't think it was that bad. I'm gonna say it. It was fine. What? I, I had I had to mimic, but like it was fine. First try, baby. Yeah, same. Not a problem. Oh my god. Now but, that boss but, took me to like be fair, five. to be fair, by then I had already respect and beaten Melania. Like because Melania is a side area, I went to her before going to the rest of the end game, and yes. having to figure out a way to beat her was why I ended up having an extremely overpowered build for the rest of the game. Because I, I had my Mimic plus 10, and I had Horfrost Stomp before yeah. the patch, and it was just like, at that point, you I was just unbeatable. Went. 
Yeah, yeah. At that that's point, how like, that's how I beat her as well. Is I got to her, I beat her with that, and then next I'm like, all right, that's that's done. I just need to go finish up the last three bosses. And like everything's to change. This no longer works. Here, mm-hmm. go figure out what to do. I'm like, I think I can respect in this game. Can I just uh, say, <laughs> I was I was so enthralled by this like journey to find where Melania is and like having uh not the Dectus um medallion but the other medallion right the the secret medallion yeah. to get secret to the medallion. tree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that stuff was so fascinating to me. When I finally get there, it was the first time I felt like fatigued. And Hugo had messaged like a week ago saying this. I'm in this area where it's, it feels like too much. And when I got there, I immediately knew exactly what he was saying by too much because it's the one time I was like, does this really need to be that big, this open world? I'm in this area where it's like completely foggy and I have to journey through this thing, make it through that area, uh, and then start going into the Halig tree. And I'm going through three more huge areas before I can even find where Melania is. And that is. tree like, is just too awful. Much. It's Scarlet an awful Rod, tree. Oh. No, I you see, so that's how that's how I felt when I was doing Ronnie's quest or, or Annie's quest line, where I'm like, okay, you've brought me down to a scarlet rot lake with a dragonkin soldier in it. <laughs> Wonderful. Nah, shit, rot. <laughs> Ronnie's quest was like it was fascinating to me. No, was, yeah, no, no, no her quest line and her yeah. story is my favorite in the game. Mm-hmm. I hate that underground lake of rot. <laughs> I'm like, I... why is there lobsters in it? I'm oh. still like I was still completely enamored with the game. Like for me, the moment where I started to feel, oh, okay, maybe this game isn't the best game I've ever played. Which is like, to be fair, like all my criticism, we may came up come off negative. This is still yeah, ten out of ten game for me. Ten out of ten. Oh, be... we. This is this <laughs> is three vi- <laughs> long time Souls fans airing some grievances. Yeah. We all think this game is ten out of ten. I can tell you that. Absolutely. Right now. Yeah. Like this is just like there's there's grievances. <laughs> like for me. The problems that I have with the game are splitting hairs between this and the other Souls games. So mm-hmm. all of these are my favorites. Why is this not my very favorite out of those yeah. five that I think are so all can I So can I assume that right now that for all of us, this is not our favorite FromSoft Souls game? Correct. Correct. It's not Same. for me, no. Like, so I take it Bloodborne is yours, Christian? No, I think Sekiro is to be honest. And Sekiro. That, that's, that's not a popular take, I know, but I no, about Sekiro it, really but it's interesting. Me. I like it. I like it. It's a fun game. It has the best story. You tell I you, want. I, I want Dark Souls One to be my favorite so bad, but they're. Oh, Ryan's gone. <laughs> Hugo knows. Hugo knows why. That I used to complain about Dark Souls One so much, dude. That like, oh, it's so frustrating. What a and then, like, you, you realize it's probably it's probably the best open. Uh, design world like ever it's so cool it's insane yeah it loops i think his computer died so i'll we'll switch to a two person here in a second give me give me a second okay the two person is on if i do share screen will that work oh he's back okay i can switch back to the person like power bomb sorry about that guys no we figured nah. uh we're just at my dark souls one while you were gone all right, that's great. Dark Souls one, one of my favorite games of all time. Uh, my personal favorite is three. I think three brings together everything good about everything up until that point. FromSoft is done, and masterclassed it. For me, okay. For me, Dark Souls one is still my favorite because I think they still haven't been able to top it in the sense that all of the great ideas and great design choices that come in the other games are still 
to this day, 10 years later, derivative of Dark Souls 1 in one way or another. Like even the mm -hmm. sense of discovery that they reintroduce in a, in a massive way in, in Elden Ring is in many way, in many ways comes from Dark Souls 1 because that's the last time you had that sense of, oh my God, I'm, I'm just going and I've no idea where I'm going to end up and I can't just fast travel back. And like, I'm, I just have to discover where, what's going to happen in this area. And if I get stuck down here, well, uh, I'm just going to have to figure out a way to get out of there. Um, but uh, I guess number two, I still have Bloodborne because I think the world design and the aesthetic and, and there's such a coherence to that, that, that even, even other games maybe don't have like the, the way in which that game starts as a sort of a, a, a plague thing with with uh, werewolves and then ends up being cosmic horror is something that I'll never it's, it's forget. It's something so special. It's just unforgettable the way it, it is. It is. When, when that flip is happens the... and you start figuring out, oh my god, this mm -hmm. game is doing this. The minute you're then, like, oh, Rom was keeping all of us this from all yeah, of us. Oh, yeah. And then I also have and I also have Dark Souls three as well above Elden Ring because mm -hmm. I think Dark Souls three. First of all, I think it's a fantastic sequel and a fantastic conclusion with a DLC as well to the Souls series, which I mean, my original love. So I guess there's it gets points for that. But also, I think it has the best bosses in the whole series. Like I think it has the best balance boss. It has the best all boss right. design. Oh, Borealis really of the the dancer. Get out of here. You know. No, Dance of the Boreal Valley is like, a good fight. Dance of the Boreal Valley is fantastic, but like it, it has the I best know, bosses because because you can master them, but they but they still be they're still challenging. They, and then I have I, Elden Ring, and then I have Sekiro just below. But all of these are games are like if, nine <laughs> nine point five out of ten. Yeah, higher, ups. So. Yeah. Can I ask something here? Because I'm I'm happy you brought this up because I had it in my notes as well. Hugo brings up bosses. How do you feel? Uh, how do you guys feel about this game in terms of bosses? Because uh, I don't think they're the most memorable, the but I have more favorites here than I do in some of the other ones. I, hmm. I I'll start with this one. Um, for me, I think this game's if would or so. I think we need uh, the thing with bosses for this game that I think needs to be understood, which is. There are your legacy dungeon massive bosses that are where you continue on with your story or like um, Nameless King where it's an optional boss, but it's very important to story lore and you'll get there. Yes. Those kind of bosses and then dungeon bosses yeah. where you just want you just finished a cave. It took probably like 10 minutes and it's a repeat enemy that's now bigger or another one you've seen before. Mm -hmm. Um yeah they're, they're, so those they're enemies those are like the small bosses great yeah. enemies there's legends mm -hmm. and then there's god yeah then there's god um yeah. <laughs> uh, um so for me the ones where it matters the major 7 or 8 ring bear or uh, rune bearers oh, those are some of the best designed bosses from soft has ever did mm -hmm. pre nerf Radon maybe Amazing. my favorite from soft fight of all time the idea of creating an army to charge a crazed general who is looking for his trip to valhalla is insane to me i think that's an amazing fight same with like mog and melania melania i think those are all amazing fights throughout it but i do think because of the size of the world and the what an actual boss is being kind of changed in this game, the definition of it. 
Um, some really aren't that great, but the ones that hit are insane and become top tier bosses instantly. I have an unpopular take to share before okay. Hugo starts because I could see his face. He's about to start. Oh, I see it. Yeah. I think Elden Ring has the best gimmick fights. And I, I will I'll yes. swear by this that the gimmick fights in this game are mm -hmm. fucking amazing. Storm King and Demon Souls. Did that work? Not not as well. People do not like that fight, but in terms of spectacle, I love it. Yorm the Giant. I love Storm King. Thank you. Thank you. Yorm the Giant. Spectacle, not really there for me, but execution, like gameplay wise, fantastic. They have mm -hmm. found a way to do that with Rykard. I absolutely love the Rykard fight. It is a spectacle. It's insane. It's disgusting. And I think it's fun. I actually really enjoy fights that really make me. You have to do this. You don't have to do this one way, but you should be doing it this one way. It changes up. Well, you kind of have for me. to. It makes it fun for me. Yeah, you do kind of have to. But the Radon <laughs> fight for me is like so fun from everything Ryan said. Like that gimmick of like getting all these NPCs that you have been meeting throughout your journey into this one huge fight mm. together is absolutely so Seeing much fun. patches nope the fuck out is yeah, so yeah. funny to me. <laughs> it's I'm like, legend. he's like, I'm here, I'm gone. Yeah. Like, damn it, patches. He's like, nope, yeah, nope. Not getting uh, involved for, into this. For <laughs> me, uh, you bring up the Rikard fight. Um, and... For me, I, I want to tell you the dumb way I did that fight, Christian. Because I, I, I put on all fire-resistant armor, a fire-resistant charm, and just all one poked him to death, standing in the lava. <laughs> because I serious? wasn't taking... Yeah, I wasn't taking enough damage for it to matter, and he had no way to attack me, except by jumping <laughs> farther into the lava. This is why Souls games rock. If you can find a way to do it, like a win, a win's a win in my opinion. Like if you a win's a it, win, yeah, oh, yeah, hell yeah, can win by a mile or an inch. A win's a win. Yeah. <laughs> I think for no, me, no. in terms of bosses, I feel the same way as I do the game as a whole, which is up until the end of Landell, I think the main bosses are really cool. Mm -hmm. I particularly like you mentioned Rodan. Rodan is a fantastic gimmick fight i think that just the idea behind it is just so excellent and and it feels so epic it does it has the fact that epic, they even epic. the fact that they give him that introduction before where he's you know the jester explains the story of his battle with melania and him going crazy and him being so powerful that he uses gravity to stop the stars like there's there's something poetic about that stuff um i also particularly like the Margit slash Morgot uh, dynamic. I like the fact that he shows up at the beginning of the game and he's the first wall that kind of yeah. teaches you how to play the game. You have to, you know, you have to go out and explore and level up a bit. Otherwise, he's going to be really, really difficult. Good luck. I bitch. didn't do. Go level up. I beat. I beat him like four hours into the game, and I was like, maybe this shouldn't be this hard. Maybe I should be exploring more. And then I did afterwards. Um, I'm glad to know we all were like, oh, we can take this. We've done bosses before. <laughs> and I, and I, I tried, did. and I was having fun. I did, but it was kind of a pain in the ass, yeah. Um, yeah, no, but I, I just, I just really enjoy that dynamic, because the fact that he, at the end he says, oh, foul tarnished, you, I will keep an eye on you or something. And, mm -hmm. and when you're there, you're like, well, what exactly does he mean? Will he show up again? And by the time you meet him again, it's like 50, 60 hours later, and you finally meet him again and it's such an epic moment and you fight him in that throne room. It's fantastic. Um, 
I do feel once again that after that switch, I, I really, I also really like the fire giant fight. I just think it's it, it's something from hasn't been able to do well, which is giant bosses, and I think that one really worked because the arena is so big, mm. um, uh, and there was something and just, just yeah, and torrent yeah. that helps out. There, there was something so cool about that one. I do still think some of the end game bosses are kind of unbalanced. I think the the, the final boss, I think Melania, and I think Maliketh, they all do some of the things that I've never liked in Souls games, which is massive AoE attacks, um, combos that can one-shot you, <laughs> and some bullshit with your health, which is Melania can regain health, and Maliketh can shrink, basically, your health bar. I think those extra mechanics are just kind of unnecessary and make the fight too difficult if you're playing it um, as a traditional Souls game, so you're trying to go for it um, melee, which is what I was trying to do, mm -hmm. and failing. And it kind of forces you into specific builds in the game that are really strong, which is, you know, you can have a magic build, and magic builds are really strong. You can have a bleed build. build. Bleed builds are really strong. Mm -hmm. But if up to that point in the game, you, for, for example, you were just playing with a giant yep. greatsword as Yeah, as a, yeah, as yeah. A it was a terrible build, <laughs> you, At that point, you kind of forced into a respec, or you're forced to do a lot of co-op, because otherwise, like, those bosses move around so quick. And they can mm -hmm. they can kill you in like one or two hits or one or two combos, and it's like the the annoyance with me in that part is like I don't want to have to change my build. I want the game to have sure. you know six or seven different builds that you can choose from and and make them viable. Like if you're gonna give me the chance to dual wield two giant great swords as big as the one in Berserk, it has to work because otherwise. Yeah. I could play through the whole game and then get to a point where the game is just kind of not balanced for me to be able to, mm -hmm. to play that way. Yeah. So that being said, it's kind of a long-winded way to say the bosses are fantastic. I think the design specifically in terms of aesthetics of the bosses and their introductions or the cutscenes are beautiful. I think there are some issues with excessive AoE attacks in the end game and some just balancing of how much damage you take. Um, and I think if they did tweak some of that just by kind of changing, I think they could change the, uh, the AI in the sense that it does the, AO, the big AOE attacks a little less often and tune down the damage just a tiny bit. I think those bosses could become some favorites of mine in the whole series. Because like, as you say, as you mentioned, Ryan, like as in terms of how epic they are and how cool they look and, the, and how varied they are as well, I think they're some of the best in the series. Um, they just need kind of a tiny bit of fine tuning. For no, that. I can play. Melania is almost me. perfect. Melania is almost perfect, almost perfect, except she has that one move that one shots you, and you can do nothing about it. And it's and like she, you just the shield make drain mechanic. That's yeah, too and much. you kind of you kind of just have to get lucky that she doesn't do that move too. I don't often, understand you know I mean? why they didn't. Why shield hits can heal her? That's the one that pisses me off. It's, yeah, I'm like just if you just change that enough. To mm -hmm. where that didn't do it, that'd be possible sword and board. Yeah. But otherwise, it, yeah. it just isn't. Because the advantage, the advantage you, you would have against her is you shield and then you do the counter move. That yeah. would be very good against her, but you can't because she'll regain all her health. Yeah, it doesn't can, matter. Can anyone explain why Radon was nerfed instead of Melania? Like, what was so difficult about Radon? Because Radon... I, don't, I don't get it. But people just, it, I, that was the one thing I saw on Twitter, people just thought it was hard. I think you know it was why? just one that people complained about. Why? You know why? 
because they didn't reach millennia yeah because 50 percent of player reached radan and what percentage of the overall player base like this game sold massive amounts compared to the other souls games and like most people and million times more you know play games at a normal pace and not at an (laughs) insane pace where you play 100 hours of a game in two weeks because you're so obsessed with it yeah and so i think they're addressing issues in the game earlier just because that's that's more likely that people will play radan also radan is a shard bearer earlier in the game and it's like there are certain quest lines for the ending that are tied to him and melania is basically completely optional there is one situation in which you have to kill it if you want to get a different ending but you know i think that's the reason and i don't think they're done frenzy and fire uh, basically basically if you inherit the frenzied flame which is what i yeah. did by accident and you don't want to do that ending because i had needle. already com- i already completed the quest line of rani and that's the ending that i wanted to do but i couldn't mm-hmm. i was locked out of it and at that point i had to beat melania because the only way to cure yourself of frenzy is beating melania and then using an item that you get from beating the flame. oh the injector thingy yeah the, the yeah. needle of Mikola's needle it's yeah. called um, yep yeah, uh, but I think that's the reason why I think the end game is hasn't received some differences in the patches, but I do think they might address it because in a month some, from now, not necessarily a month, even even weeks, um, mm-hmm. like because like Dark Souls One for example, weeks. which was um, <laughs> funny, uh, Dark Souls One for example <laughs> received uh, balancing patches well into after release. Because like it was kind of experimental in a way for them, and and they were kind there's of there's a lot of real broken things in Dark Souls One. I mean, th- there's some broken <laughs> bullshit in Dark Souls One that just didn't could not get fixed. The but painted wall like... where I have to bow and arrow this like dragon that's just like stuck on this bridge to, t- to get past. <laughs> Fuck it. Fantastic. Ten out of like that's best good, video game ten of all time. Ten. ten out of ten. Ten out of ten. Yeah. <laughs> and, Demon and that's the thing. The red dragon that flies over me for an hour. Great moments. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Great stuff. Like for all the frustrations that you can feel, there's there's something just so special about these games in general and, and Elden Ring in particular that I think will not get lost. And I think even like even once you get away from some of the more frustrating parts and you just kind of remember think about the game as a whole, like ninety-five percent of it is the best game I've ever played. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I hundred percent agree with you on that one. And you know what makes these bosses better? the fucking lore that i am obsessed with and i still know nothing about there's spoilers mm-hmm. okay yeah finding out that radagon is marika changed things so much for me that yeah. I, ha- I had to mm-hmm. go online and look up this whole family tree of people and what what has been going on that was like the first time i really like deep dived into lore and googling stuff about mm-hmm. the game other than what i pieced together in my notes and i was like this is like this changes everything about like what i thought about these bosses and these characters in the world it's fascinating it, it, that's really funny you bring that up is uh uh not sonic rage he's in the um channel i think uh, a couple mornings ago just sent me the family tree of like how all of them are related to each other i'm like this makes a lot more sense now <laughs> all right i can start unpacking this lore a bit deeper now Vati T's like his spreadsheet of what he has he, he does it by zooming out and it's like yeah the, the, what it's connected is, is crazy i can't wait to See what he comes up that's uh, gonna be a great video great video mm-hmm. but um no i want to talk about lore for a second here i think lore in this game may be the best world that this team has ever created 
Mm-hmm. I think the lore for this world is so interesting. Because it it's not it's still on that massive scale that we know from Saw 4 end of the world calamity that is happening. But at the root of it, it is a family story of how this family got too power hungry and they broke off into different paths for each other. And I find that's really, really interesting. Like, um, the grafted, he, he did that to become as strong as his family, or at least try to be mm-hmm. and all that. Cause here's the runt. I think the ways of telling that storytelling through character design and all that is super interesting. That's why I think this lore is. What about for you? Does the lore in this game work for you the way it did in other Souls games? I know you've both been hooked by other Souls game lore in their worlds. Hugo, I want you to start. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the general like there's something there's there's something um, that thematically in Miyazaki games that always comes out comes back, and there's always some similarities, and like it's like poetry; it rhymes, uh, which mm-hmm. is George, George, what George Lucas would say. And like, <laughs> and I appreciate that. I like when when you have a strong voice of an author, and you can recognize sort of the ways in which he's building on, on what he did before. Um, what I really love about this game is is those family dynamics, because I think you can tell where George R. R. Martin's storytelling was, was the beginning point, where he created this family tree, he created these characters and how they interact with each other and how they're related. And then Miyazaki said, okay, but now there's an apocalypse. And, yeah. and in the power vacuum of we don't have a lord anymore, what happens? All the brothers turn against each other and, and go to war against each other mm-hmm. to, you know, get all the, the Elden Ring together and become the most powerful. And they all ultimately fail. And so they split off in different places of the world. I think that stuff is fascinating. And I also think, which is um, something we haven't talked about, I guess, but I think the side quests uh, in this game are the best in any of the series. Because I like, have to 100% yes, agree. They, that like you get to actually build relationships uh, kind mm-hmm. of with, with a lot of these characters and, and you get an idea of what their desires are and, and what they want for the endings. And I appreciate the fact that the side quests specifically have such a direct effect on yes. what might happen at the end of the game. And I mean, and they're so your you endings. Can, yeah, basically. and you can pretty much, yeah, especially the main ones. And And there's something about meeting a character and him or her saying something weird and obscure to you, but still giving you a hint of what you might have to do. And then 10 hours later, maybe you figure it out and it's like, oh my God, that character connects to this. And then I go underneath the ground because I need to meet that character and that character looks like this, but they're not the same character. Like there's all those connections that you make and it's like, it's never not fun. Like some of the best moments I've had in this game were like three hour sessions where I wasn't even fighting enemies. I was just going back and forth with the characters and figuring out what they wanted me to do next and going to the next area, fighting through that bit. But there wasn't actually a boss, so I went back. And like, those things are some of the best, uh, I think, in the game. So I think the lore overall is great, Mm -hmm. um, but that doesn't surprise me to some extent. It's Mm -hmm. kind of, Mm -hmm. Miyazaki's great at doing this, but I think Mm -hmm. they've improved in their actual storytelling, which is something that they've been criticized for before yes. in terms of how you meet characters and interact with them. I want to talk about the Redon uh, 
uh, cutscene that plays when he's explaining why you do, uh, why this ceremony happens every year, the celebration to feed him, basically, brave warriors. That's the moment where I really felt George R. R. Martin's um, touch on this was in that cutscene. It's a five-minute cutscene explaining the war that happened between siblings and why he stands out there screaming in a battlefield waiting for more soldiers to eat. Because that I was like, this is the most storytelling I've ever gotten about a single character in one of these games mm. that wasn't mm -hmm. through eight different item descriptions. Holy hell. Well, for, for me, yeah. I really felt the George R. R. Martin with just how the entire lore was surrounding one big family. Like that is, uh, yeah, that is very of, George you know, very Game, of, Game Thrones, of Thrones, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then of course all the the name schemes that are very, they're maybe a bit too similar for my taste, but like I also don't care. It's it's fine. Like this is what he you don't like, sure, you whatever. don't like that they're all his uh, initials. <laughs> I, I still, <laughs> I don't hundred percent believe that he did that on purpose, but uh, for me it's like you know melena and melania and like those kinds of names being just a bit too similar Mikula and rena Mika and rani and renata yeah yeah, yeah. I, I do no, want to go I back for... sorry godric godfrey god godwin defroy godwin yeah if it can be a bit, too, okay, a bit too much but you know then god yeah and then god yeah. <laughs> uh for me i want to go back for a second and say uh first of all the three days i think i spent when I finally sat down, I'm like, okay, let's just do Ronnie's quest in its entirety right now. Was probably the three my three favorite days I spent with the game. Where that takes mm -hmm. you and realizing how all these things are connecting is fucking brilliant, and it's like masterpiece uh, for from from software. Which again, not a surprise for me. What I think, and makes you know, what it is about it is the amount of things that quest. Sorry for cutting you off, but that's fine. The amount of things that quest allows you to see in the game oh. that feel like you would have completely missed them if you weren't doing the quest, which Nuc I'm not sure is entirely the case. But like, Nocrin and Noxella were the first few times that you were there, and you're like, like there's the just a whole new I, I world wait. underneath. Like, what's the going on? I start going down, and the sky turns purple with crystal stars. Yeah. I'm like, and they what? Keep going. That, that you just keep going. <laughs> I in the elevator light. I'm like, how yeah. how big is this game? I can't wait to see video essays on that fucking elevator. <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna happen. Oh, they're gonna be beautiful video essays. I can't wait. The, the, thing um, for, the thing for me, real quick, what I wanted to get to is why I think the side quest and lore is so special is that I think for me the key difference in, in the other Souls games, um, when I'm finding out stuff about the lore, it, it feels not inconsequential, but it feels like a bit too much in the past where like these things have happened, they're like part of history, and I'm like doing something after the fact. Whereas yes. this game, even though it's still the case, right? It's still happening in the past. It feels like I'm in the climax of this moment, and like what I do has an impact on on like the world in in a different way than I, I have with like Bloodborne or or Dark Souls, right? Ushering in these new eras, I think feels like I'm completing the climax of this this story, right? And I think that's what made the lore in this game so special to me is that I feel like a, a participating character in this history rather than just like someone that that comes after, you know, in the epilogue of it. I'm not here to restart the flame and do all that i'm here to burn everything to the fucking ground yeah. i'm i'm an active part of that and i almost forgot one of the one of my biggest like 
praises is like what Hugo said earlier about uh, meeting all these NPCs and building relationships. To me, what pushed that even further into like masterpiece territory wasn't just building those relationships and seeing how they connect. It's seeing the downfall of those connections, slowly losing almost every single person in the round table hold and having it from the beginning feel like a safe space to actually be like one of the creepiest places that I feel like the most unwelcome. Mm -hmm. I almost called him Andre. The blacksmith is like losing his freaking mind and, and Roderica is, is staying there because yeah. like, she feels like some kind of loyalty to him. It's just so tragic. And I almost don't want to go back to the round table hold because the vibes there are way off. And it's They're fantastic. Way All I have in my round table at the end was them and the dung eater who just say cryptic shit in the corner. I'm like, oh, this, I did is his quest. this is a terrible place. <laughs> I did not like his quest that much. The dung eaters. <laughs> I'm like, this is an awful, awful place now after. But God, the scene where the tree begins to burn. Mm. Oh, the vibes there are immaculate. <laughs> I do wish there's a bit more Melina, but other... other yeah. Yes. Yeah. It, there's something the game doesn't tell you is how many times you can actually talk to her. Like every time you're at a, at a church of Marika, you can talk to her and she'll yes. say something. Um, every time you're... I didn't know at, that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at any of the sites of greats after Lane Dell, if you sit down, you can mostly talk to her. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the game doesn't do a great job at telling you that you might be able to do that. Um, I wish they would just make it mandatory. I wish, like, at some bonfire, sorry, some sites of grace, she it would, would just talk to you. It would just yeah. automatically mm-hmm. happen. I think that would be just better in terms of, like, uh, how that works, but... Yeah, I understand that. Ultimately, there's always a philosophy in in Souls that they don't want you to have to do any story. Like they want you to be able to completely skip everything if you want, um, which is fair enough. And I love, I'm sure speedrunners love it. But <laughs> for me personally, I wanted kind of wanted that stuff. Um, one, I think one of my favorite bits of of lore is just the aftermath of Melania fighting Radagon. And mm. this idea that these two demigods are the strongest creatures that exist in this world. And, and the aftermath of their fight is like, on the one side, a desolate land. And on the other side, this character that's almost broken and has been carried by her n- loyal knights back to mm-hmm. her Halic tree. And, you know, and you fight Radan, and then you fight Melania 40 hours later. Yeah. And- and you can imagine them fighting because both of them are so strong and powerful and you have to figure out ways to beat them, but you can imagine them fighting yeah. themselves to death, but at a standstill, never being able to. There's something so poetic about that stuff. And it's great. the fact that both of them ultimately want you to kill them, like Rad- Radan, what is left of his consciousness is he's just in the battlefield and he just wants to have an honorable death. And that's why the festival exists. And Melania, she's never known defeat. She's the undefeated. But once you kill her, she there's some there's almost some sense of relief in the fact that she says, "Oh, I have finally met my match, Michaela. I'm never gonna we're never gonna meet." But there's a sense of relief on her part. In in there's a sense of relief on you as a player because you've yes. been banging your heads against <laughs> her for for yeah. 10 I was hours, about to but... bring up uh, when did when did Christian no victory? Hundred and seven. After How 179 deaths, I had, okay. Yeah. Thanks. Yes, to, I had to him, get Hugo. I had, first, I had to get Hugo in here, and yes. like, all right, two people are still not enough. And then I needed a third person, so my my buddy Harley joins. There was three of us going at her for two hours, and like, we were gonna call it, and we we're like, one more attempt. 
And luckily, um, as phase one was ending, I was getting a crit. I watched the video back and I realized I was getting a crit, which glitched the game. And then in phase yeah, two, she, the video of yours. she started with like one hit left. And I was like, yeah. perfect. I, you know what? I don't even care. I'll take it. And I, yeah. well, I'll be honest. That's how I beat uh, Radagon <laughs> was if you run to him, he doesn't attack you till you touch him. So you can just swipe at him and he won't do anything. So if you're a really broken spell build, you can set up Comic Azur in his face and nuke him with it and then go fight the Elden Beast. Which I want to talk about the Elden, the Elden Beast for a second. Yes. I hate that fight. I love the way I... he looks. He's insane. <laughs> He's awesome. Uh, his first phase is also awesome. His second phase is trash. It's so bad. The star sparkle thing that follows me and too will much. just not That's do too much, much damage. And then he's shooting his sword hits at me. And I'm like, I can't dodge anything here. I can possibly lay on the ground and here's... hope things fly over me. Here's the thing about Elden <laughs> Beast. It should be separate from Radagon. It should not be Radagon's phase two. If that mm -hmm. were the case, I would like it more. Because yeah. I feel like a lot of what you said, once I get to Elden Beast, when I'm like, have half my Estus left, mm -hmm. not Estus, you know what I mean? Crimson yeah. Tears. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like, okay, there's a very good chance that if, you, if I have bad RNG, it's going to go very poorly for me. Mm -hmm. You know? But other than that, I, I like the spectacle and I like the location of it. If he swam I away think... less, also would be yeah. great. I yeah, I wish he wasn't. Been... He, I don't like that he swims. <laughs> yeah. I think it would should have been more like um German and uh what's his name uh, the 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 moon presence oh yeah in, yeah in Bloodborne where if you defeat the first one you don't have to fight yeah the first one again to get to the second one because like mm -hmm. it doesn't really add anything to it like I feel like it's just makes it kind of artificially harder which is something that you know I think these games do a great job at avoiding for the most part but sometimes mm -hmm. it doesn't really work and and I, and I guess kind of those annoyances get concentrated in some of the very, very end game bosses that, mm -hmm. again, if they fine tune them just a tiny bit, this would be uh, perfection, I guess, even in that sense. Um, but yeah, well, the, the only other thing about Elden Beast for me is mm -hmm. I felt like in every other Souls game, once you get to the, the, the final boss, you have an idea of who the boss is. And how he fits into this world. And Elden Beast is kind sure. of something that you, you're like, okay. Because um, I, I, I've heard about Radagon. I've heard yeah. about Marika. Yeah, I know, I know who those are. I have no fucking idea who Elden Beast is. And it's like, and it's like God slain. And I'm like, okay. I'm not entirely sure what I did here. There's there's an element of that missing. And I'm sure it's it's hidden somewhere in the lore mm -hmm. and Vatibiria will figure it out for me but you know when you when you when you get to Gwyn or when you get to fight German at the end of Bloodborne or even Soul of Cinder you have an idea of how they fit into that world and and it yeah. adds I think it gets kind of adds an, an, a sort of an emotional element to to this final fight that I think German sitting have. out of his chair maybe like, one of the best fucking moments of all time in gaming incredible which Tonight, German joins the fight. The hunt. The hunt. <laughs> like, come on. Which brings me to my next question is, we, we absolutely love this game. Mm -hmm. We have been saying our criticisms, but that's because we're three kind of cynical. 
Rumsoft fans talking about Elden Ring, so it's gonna happen. Uh, what I want to bring up now is our favorite moments from this game. Mm-hmm. You can have up to three, because I know picking one would be nigh impossible to pick a pure favorite moment. Christian, I'm gonna start uh, with you on this one. I'm thinking of one right now that I actually thought was really cool, um, and it's it's, it's gonna take me a minute to kind of describe. That's fine. Uh, That's fine. First of all, just like going transitioning from open world to a linear experience for the first time into heading into Stormvale Castle is fucking amazing, and the music changing everything with Stormvale Castle is is fantastic, and this ties into my my first like favorite moment. Um, I was exploring the sides of Stormvale towards the end, and I landed on a scripted fall that led me down to where a, like, golden crucible knight was hiding at, which I was severely underleveled for, and I I died. And so I marked it on my map as, I'll return to this later. And dozens of hours later, I I remembered, I'm leveled enough probably to go back and do this. But I couldn't remember how I got down there. And so for the first time, I'm like, fuck it. I'm going to Google. And so I Googled, mm-hmm. like, I think I Googled, like, underneath Stormvale because I remember falling a lot. <laughs> um, and I found something else that was like, uh, the beginning of a quest that was, like, ended up being Blythe's quest. And I was like, okay, I'm going to stop because I want to see this firsthand. And so I go down there and you trek down all the way underneath Stormvale Castle. And there's, you see this giant fucking face. And I had no idea what it was, and it was like so, like, enticing for me to figure out like what it was. And I cannot wait for lore videos to figure it out. And then yesterday or two days ago, on a YouTube comment, someone pointed out that it's probably uh, the decomposing body of the first child of America, Godwin. He's it just is. down there, yeah. and I had no idea. Mm-hmm. Then that aha moment, that epiphany of being like, "Fucking Christ, that's his face, just mm-hmm. there." On, uh, I mean, all and this you time? see that face again later as well. If you Where? When? Fia- if you complete Fia's quest, like, the Prince oh. of Death is yeah. where you fight uh, Dragon Lord Placidusax, I think is the name. No, Placidusax might be the one in, in Farrah. No, that's the one in Crumbling Razor Azor, who's good, yeah. uh, King Ghidorah. I have a yeah, complaint Ghidorah, Fia's quest. The other one. Yeah, the other one in Fia's quest, it... If you look up, you see that face again because that's the actual yes. body of the Prince of Death. Mm-hmm. So it it's unclear whether they're the same thing and they're kind of connected because if you check, it's kind of underground, and so they might be connected in some way. Mm-hmm. Or if maybe the one in Stormvale is just a representation of that. It, it's kind of unclear, but it is it is Godwin Godwin the first mm-hmm. demigod to die basically and and become the first to live in death. I guess is what they call them. Yep. Okay, real quick, I do want to say my one complaint with side quests is Fia's quest because it's the only time you don't progress a quest by choosing the top option, and I'm stupid. So it's probably my fault <laughs> that I'm like, okay, the quest is me killing her? Sure. And then it turns out I locked myself out of a, a very cool side boss because I was supposed to pick the bottom option. It's the only time. And I was like, come on, you, could, you couldn't just flip the, the options just one time? I don't know. Uh, and then I'll, I'll just give one more shout out because we already yeah, talked about it. Um, just traversing uh, the the well into sh- the Schieffer River for the first time and seeing how deep it goes and then walking out and seeing the rocks glowing like a starry night sky is probably one of like, my top 10 Souls experiences ever. Mm-hmm. All right, all right. Hugo, what about you? What are a couple of your favorite moments from the playing this um, game? Okay, my first one is maybe the simplest, but it 
once you finish Stormvale Castle and you walk outside the back of it and suddenly you see every other single place where you're going to go oh. in that incredible oh, that one shot where you're just it's like, like Oh, okay. all right. We this have Hogwarts up here. We have a volcano castle up this way. And, yeah, and you don't realize how far that no, stuff actually it's is. Because like, fuck. from there, you can see the forge of the giants, where you're gonna basically mm -hmm. end the game and set fire to the hat to, to to the tree. And like, the second time I went through the game, and I I I, I went out of there, and I was like, oh my god, I know exactly where every single thing I'm seeing is and i realize now that it took me like dozens of hours to get to there but it's actually somewhere tangible like it it feels in like a big level as i was saying before in very much the same way as zelda it feels like a place i see that so i actually can go there and there is going to be something interesting so that's my first um another right. one is yep. early in the game you if you go explore the weeping peninsula you can find, um, first of all, seeing the, the big the mausoleums for the first time was epic. Oh. That was kind of kind of spoiled by like the announcement trailer. Like it was one of the few things that they showed like very early on. Which um, I didn't so see. Kind of, yeah, because I, I kind of had seen that one and, and I was expecting it. So but did you guys go in with no spoilers? Yeah. I pretty did. much, yeah. I only watched... Mm -hmm. Uh, very early stuff and and in the network test i had seen some stuff but it was all stuff that i kind of seen before so it wasn't basically was but like i i was constantly surprised by this game so uh, yeah awesome awesome love to hear it um but basically in the weeping peninsula there is a tower that if you fight through the tower get to the top and and open the chest it teleports you all the way to lane dell oh yes and, so, <laughs> and like when I got to the bottom of the Weeping Peninsula, I had already finished Stormvale. I had already explored part of Leonia because mm -hmm. I, for some reason I didn't go south right away. And I was like, oh, well, I guess I could go back. And I explored this area. Like, I was like 15 hours into the game. And I was like, yeah. man, this game's big. Like just size wise, this is pretty big. And then you get teleported all the way to the capital and you see this giant dragon that is just lying there dead. Yep. And you open up your map and you're so far in the north. And it mm -hmm. feels like it, it. It feels like you're basically, basically, it gives you an idea of the massive scale of this game in a way that you hadn't realized it was gonna be this big. And then that area ends up not being the last area. Like you get to that area eventually after fighting all these shadows, and and there's more another area. So that that sense of constantly the map expanding is, I guess, my second favorite thing. Go ahead, Christian. How could I not forget? walking into Lanedale the, the proper way if you follow like the actual mm -hmm. path for the first time and then like you can see pieces of it but then the music ramps up and you're like mm -hmm. coming out of this hole in the wall and you see this huge city and you realize i can walk through all of this and you see that dragon again that you saw or like way earlier yeah. if, if you're like me you teleport back immediately um hearing that music and seeing that city was my modern day on orlando and like it was fucking amazing so huge mm -hmm amazing no, I have to absolutely agree with that and i guess my third would be finally finishing there's there's this area in the west westernmost part of leonia where you can see on top yeah. of mountain and it's impossible to get there you, you can't get there mm -hmm. right and i spent 
dozens of hours, like trying to wrap my head around how you could possibly get there. I was like, I must be an idiot. I must be missing something. There's, there's has to be a way. And then I basically eventually gave up and explored all the rest of the game and did all Liondale. And then eventually I finished Rani's quest, which eventually <laughs> does take you to that mm -hmm. area. And, and the first time that I did, like, you have to defeat Astel, the natural pawn of the void or whatever he's called. Love and then you find an... And then you find like this this lift and you get on the lift but you have no idea where it's going because at that point you're underground like your geography doesn't work well, yeah, i got no idea where i am I'm, I'm, i've just took a coffin to go yeah. fight a bloodborne boss in exactly a cave. like that was crazy <laughs> then you get to the top of this elevator and you finally get to that area and you realize oh my god this place that i've been trying to figure out how the fuck, sorry for swearing, you get back to this place and how you climb on top of it. And, and it feels like the, there's this, this sense in the game that you're constantly finding something that is completely missable. Mm -hmm. and, and that's the best feeling in the world. It, it's the feeling that I got the first time that I went to like Arch Dragon Peak, the first time that I went to, um, sorry, what's the... Uh, the castle in the snowy castle in Bloodborne. Oh, Canehurst Castle. Canehurst castle. castle. Like it's that feeling, but it's that feeling ten times over the course of a game. Like you know, the other Souls yeah. games had that 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 like once or twice per game, yeah. and this one is like there's I can think of four different things, and I'm like, oh my god, like I can't believe I found this. No, Nobody else must. Really, it's I impossible that somebody agree. else has found it. Like it's I'm, crazy the amount just... of steps that I had to go through to figure this out and get here. The the um, ensnare trap to Kaled is like one that everyone like kind of I think experiences yeah. and like that's still like a, like an amazing moment. That's another Kanehurst moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I'm like, where? Oh, I'm here. Okay. Why is the sky red? I need to get the fuck out of here. Yeah, I'm like, this is not a safe place. There's bloodborne beast walking around. I am mm. not safe. <laughs> uh, I have a here's here's my three moments. The first one is uh, in Capital Lindo. It's when I go to the round table in oh. real in the, in the in the real world, not through the spiritual and all that. Because of um, going through Volcano Manor and not doing the dungeon, I did assassination quests for them. Um, I I got one to go there, and I was like, "What do I have to do here?" I'm like, "What is that?" This, and then I go there, and I start walking around this area. And it's the armor in pieces of the knights that helped me during my fight with Radon. I thought mm -hmm. that was, I was like, I recognize all these armor pieces. These were worn by the guys who helped me in that battle. And their stuff is just here. And I thought that was a super just amazing, interesting, awesome way to be able to do that is to be able to go to your home base in game. It's just a cool as it was in bloodborne when you got to go to the nightmare the first time the first nightmare yeah. and all that it was so nice and awesome my second one is the the end of ronnie's crest line like you guys where you are going down to fight Azure of the void it was it the void eater it's or is it just the void natural born of the void natural born of the void because i that whole set piece is amazing. From the coffin plunge down the Blood River to fighting what may be one of the most interesting looking bosses FromSoft have ever created. Mm -hmm. And for me, my third one would be the 
moment where I didn't, I, this is, I was just wandering around, um, trying to figure out what to do after beating, um, the, the, uh, the school. I just beat Ranala, did all that. Yeah. Um, went through and I'm just running along the side of that mountain, not the mountain, the, um, the bottom area, uh, looking for something to do along here. And I end up at the way back end at a cave that is way longer than any other cave I did. And it keeps bringing me higher up and higher up oh. until I fight a magma worm. And it then I open, go out the back door and I'm in the Atlas Plateau. That I'm like, area. what? What the hell? I, I just got brought up here by just going that I didn't have to ever use that main lift is amazing to me. That is awesome. What's interesting about that in, is the way I played the game, mm -hmm. the road you're describing is the main road and the lift is kind of a secret road because like you have to meet a character, you have to find one of the, mm -hmm. the medallions and you have to talk to another character that tells you, oh, uh, far away in the east in Kaelid yep. you will find yeah. the other medallion. And, and getting there you have to fight through this area with, that's full of dragons that kick your shit in. And yeah, like, it's a terrible you, place. Like, and, you, and you figure and you get to this little castle and you get the, the other medallion and suddenly you you know you get you go all the way up and Rhea is there and she teleports you to Volcano Manor like the way the game feels like it's constantly reacting to what you're doing is is so impressive it is it really is because uh, the only reason I consider that the uh half less taken let's say is because um Godwin in the storm in the cat in a round table is telling you there's a lift for medallions to take you it. So that's why I consider mm -hmm. that the opposite way. But right. no, I agree with you. The other way is way more complicated than yeah, having... Pain. Well, the Magma Worm sucks. Magma me, Worm is true. not a great boss no, inside I hate the, that small I hate the, I hate the, la the old lady bats that poison you. Those can fucking... Yeah, the, the harpies? Oh, yeah. Bad. yeah. Uh, I, I want to give one oh. last shout-out, though. Okay. Oh, do you have something to say on this? I, I have two more shout-outs. I just remembered right, that I'm going to give said. one more shout-out, then you okay. can give yours. Okay. Uh, mine is two. It's a part of Ryan's quest where she gives you the upside down um, oh, statue. Uh, yes. Right? Right? The and then you're like, so what the cool. fuck do I do with this? And you just walk into a room and you put that down and it's amazing. And the whole building flips on its side. And I'm like, what? I have to do this now. Upside down with a spellcaster? Yeah. All right. That moment is so incredible. Now, Christian, what are your shout outs? Before my shout out, first, first of all, you just remind me of something else, which is, first of all, fuck those spider hands thing. Oh, fuck the hands. Fuck all, anything that was a big hand without a body. Fuck it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. <laughs> they were awful. Yeah. My two shout outs. Uh, sorry, Ryan, and I'm doing more. Is both fine, Reg Regal Ancestral Spirit fights, I think, are really fucking mm -hmm. cool. Like, I, it's memorable and the music goes so hard. It's my, one of my favorite. That's some scores. Princess Mononoke shit, man. <sighs> it's yeah. so cool. Yeah. And the second is just a very simple thing that I think does so much for the game and exploration, which is every single um, spring. What are they called? The 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 spirit jumps, the spirit wells. Every oh. jumping up every single one is fucking amazing. Seeing the Earth Tree be so far away and you get like this mm -hmm. this vista um and then there's the one where you like jump up it and like oh my god what am i falling down on it's a magma no it's one of those those bowls those crystal bowls whatever they're yeah. called 
on just on the top of this volcano right that thing oh we don't we uh, star starved uh, what is it star starfall beast that sounds right full size uh is a bastard (laughs) he's where you bring out your plus one mallet because he's Mm -hmm. weak to strike But for real though, like my shout out to Torrent, like double jumping on that horse made exploration like so much fun that I didn't. Think... It was that, that it, yeah. The horse was such a great addition. Mm-hmm. I didn't in the beginning. I was a little worried, but then I did um the knight's cavalier fight when it was dark because oh. I was wandering around, and I'm like, it no rocks. horse combat's awesome. This is yeah. great. I'm with this you. is a duel, and uh, that pretty much brings me to all I have to say. Do you have any more uh, topics, Christian? I know you had some things you want to talk about. I, I think that. we covered everything I really, I really had to be honest. Like, oh, we hit all the major stuff. So now, because this is also the last thing I could say is you got the fact that anywhere you are in the game, you can see the Halic tree. The, the sorry, the Erd tree, the Erd tree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. is such a clever, clever choice. Like, because it, it, it's a beautiful. It gives choice. you like a sense of scale of how just mm-hmm. gigantic this tree is because you're like you feel like you're traveling for dozens yes. of hours and this thing is still that far away how am i not closer to that thing and when you eventually get to it it's like the, the scale the sense of scale that it gives you is 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 really impressive um and it works in a similar way as zelda where you can constantly see you know the castle right there in the distance and you can constantly see mount doom over here in the distance and it, it it's just one of those things that I just love in games. Now, that brings us to the end here. God damn it, Christian. I should expect it from you, though, truly. Um, and this is also our review of this game. And it's time to score it. Out wow. of five, like we usually do here. That's something new we've been doing throughout this year. Um... I'll start first. I give this a 4.5 out of 5. Wow. Who okay. wants to go next? I I can go because I gave this so much thought because I, I was really struggling to rank this among my other um, from soft games. And originally I had all these marked in GGS 4.5s out of 5s. But what Elden Ring did to me is really like made me rethink the way I think of the word masterpiece. Obviously, when I hear 5 out of 5 or 10 out of 10, like, that is a masterpiece to me. Mm-hmm. And I realize that it's okay if games aren't perfect, because no game is. There are always going to be some sort of flaw or criticism about the game, and that doesn't take away from the idea that, that games are masterpieces. And so I, I went in, I, I changed Bloodborne, Dark Souls, and Sekiro all to 5s out of 5s, and then I went in and scored Elder Ring a 5 out of 5, because I think this is, flaws and all, this is still a masterpiece of a game, going to be one of the games we think about for years to come, probably going to be in contention in conversation of game of the generation going to be in conversation of of, of uh, you know level design uh of side quest design um and of from software's like lineage of games like is, is this going to be like one of the best and arguably i think it, it is one of the best so for me it's a five out of five game five out of five game and lastly the Soulsborne savant where do you rank this out of five i have very similar thoughts on on the way I think about games, because like most of my favorite games are all games that I think are there's there's something special about them. They're so ambitious. They they are trying something that is so interesting 
that they end up having some flaws. And on the other hand, games that I maybe have less, but like less specific criticisms about that are technically perfect, that, 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 that is more difficult to kind of pinpoint things that are wrong with them, but they feel less um, autorial in some sense. They feel less special. And so overall, I still like these games that have maybe more flaws than those other games. I still appreciate these more because they, they're giving me an experience that I can't find in, in, you know, in a very well-polished, well-made video games that, you know, maybe there's, there's not much there, though. Like, the gameplay, it works well, it runs perfect, it looks beautiful, but, but what, where, where's the meat of the experience? Where, what if it, is it making me feel and think differently about video games, in a hmm. way? Um, so all my favorite games do that, and that's why I score them five out of five. Uh, not necessarily because they're perfect, because we we've talked about um, mm-hmm. criticism of this problems. game. Yeah, and you know all the games in my top fifteen, top twenty, they're all games that I think, oh, there's there's clearly things that I don't like about them, but they're still five out of five for me because they they gave me an immersive experience that I that I hadn't had before in other games. So this is definitely a five out of five for me, despite all my problems with the end game. And and I hope they rebalance it because it might end up being the best Souls game um, if they do. And with that, it scores here at the Pen Conquest a five out of five for Elden Ring. Praise the, uh, praise the Earth Tree and praise yeah. the sun. Let's get to these <laughs> plugs. Christian, where can people find you? You can follow me over on Twitter at IsoChristian to get updates for all the things I do, like my movie podcast, Large Popcorn, where we do movie club there once a month. And Hugo was just on the last one. We watched Casablanca. It's a great episode. Great. I love that episode. Hang on. Guys, sorry. Sorry. Hugo was just on the last one. I'm in all the movie oh, clubs. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Hugo's That's my co-host on Movie Club. Yeah. I'm sorry. Thank you what's, for the... What's going on? Thank you for the correction. Did I just get fired on live uh, on Twitch? Like, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, if anything, uh, you're going to fire me from Large Popcorn. You know? <laughs> um, well, I had a question here for... Like, question. What is uh, this month's movie? We'll find out in a few hours. Uh, is there the poll-up? Yeah. Little, I think Little Miss Sunshine is winning. That okay. seems to be the, the favorite. The, the theme for uh, uh, what's uh, the theme? Women, That's what I was asking yeah, for. Is the women directed films. Women directed films. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Can't wait to see what gets picked. Thank you, Ryan. Now, uh, Hugo, where can people find you? Um, you can find me at Hugo underscore Pinai on Twitter. That's P I N A I and Hugo with an H in front of it. And you can follow me on Letterboxd. Hugo Pinay, I guess that Letterbox is probably the most fun account you can follow. For oh, me, your Letterbox is something watch special. Watch a shit ton of movie and movies <laughs> and have a bunch of lists. And uh, yeah, that's the most fun. And you can also listen to my podcasts about movies specifically. Remember the film. And of course, Large Popcorn Movie Club, which I, I, I hope I keep doing with Christian if he doesn't fire me because he's we'll mean to me for no reason. Um, but yeah, so you can find me there. <laughs> I, I want to uh, plug one more thing, Ryan, as well. Um, please. Yeah, speaking of movies, I, I normally do video essays for the Penultimate Conquest. Uh, usually I try to aim for one a month. This month was a little bit different, and I did like kind of a list of video on the top films of 2021 from my own list, right? So if you're curious about that, you know, you're buzzing about the Oscars, you may want to check that video out over on YouTube. All I can say, man, is it is probably your best work today. Each one keeps getting better, man. Your video essays rock. And uh, people can find me at RyanTheLion3055 on Twitter for wherever and whatever I'm up to on this wild world of the internet. 
Thank you both for joining me. And Tarn and all the fellow Tarns who've joined us, good night. You don't have the right. Oh, you don't have the right. Therefore, you don't have the right. Oh, you don't have the right. <laughs> I think a butthole. <laughs>